to the Delling Pod with me, James Delling Pod. And I am so excited about this week's guest. And I know I always say that, but I have been trying to track this man down for quite some time. And he kept turning me down. And finally, I've got him. Uh, so what it shows to me is that it wasn't... It, it, it wasn't that I wasn't famous enough for him. It was it was for legal reasons. Absolutely. His yeah. name is Darren Grimes. Hi, I've James. already forgotten his title. Digital manager. Digital at manager the at, at the Institute of Economic Affairs <laughs> at, the, at the IEA. So, Darren, um, tell me how it was you came to be involved in the Brexit campaign. So, actually, it's a bit of a winding road. Um, we like winding roads. Yes. Good. So, I wasn't actually... I wasn't interested in politics when I was young. Um, I wasn't actually politically aware, and I mean that in the literal sense. I wasn't politically aware at all yeah. until I was about 90. Well, I think everyone is to a certain extent. I certainly had beliefs and, uh, I guess, a sort of uh, a background of ideas and values, but they certainly weren't aligned to any or I wasn't aware of them being aligned to any political party but you're, you're Welsh I'm not no I'm from the northeast do you know what you're the second person this week I've I've confused <laughs> from the northeast because the accent is quite similar isn't it well I get that a lot it's quite lyrical but I also think that's just innuendo for homosexual um <laughs> <laughs> that too yeah but okay so you're from the northeast exactly and well the northeast was soundly Soundly Brexit, wasn't it? My entire family voted leave, yeah. And but but at the same time it's quite working class, quite labour voting, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I I'm just trying to get a sense of, of the, the atmosphere you grew up in. Are you from a working class background? Very much so. I mean my grand so my granddad was a minor um labour all his life until twenty seventeen actually, and that's because of, of Brexit. He couldn't vote for them again after and this sounds like t- terrible cliche because I spend all day tweeting this sort of stuff out but it's true yeah you know that entire family was comfortable voting for the conservative party you know the fact that this stereotypically working class labor family felt comfortable voting for the conservative party should be a massive wake-up call I think for a, a political class that just hasn't seemed to get it I reckon that they just think that we Brexiteers, after three years of a constant attrition of our morale, um, would just go away. Mm. That we just forget about it. Yeah. You know, the biggest democratic mandate in British electoral history, we'd just be like, oh, do you know what? I'm a bit bored of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give up. I can't be arsed anymore. You, there was, um, there has been a kind of war of attrition, hasn't there? Absolutely. That they've been trying to... the. the the entirety of the establishment, which is pretty enormous when you think when you when it extends from the Guardian and the Times and the BBC to what pretty much every every institution, the World Bank, the big corporations, the city mm-hmm. firms, the the big the big law firms. I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, the European Union itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want us to think. Well, as you say. Uh, we're not we, we just had to accept that we're not going to get it well exactly i mean but i think they failed to realize that for communities like that where i grew up having an organization with an acronym tell them that they're going to be poor when they've got nothing james these yeah. are communities that feel like they've got nothing that they they're losing their voice they're losing what they i i guess that perceived sense of of British values, you know, freedom, liberty, democracy, yeah. all of these values are being slowly eroded. So when you turn to them and say, you've got a Labour politician turning to them and saying, 
oh, but you're going to be poorer because this organization with an acronym, this international quango, tells you that you're going to be poorer. And they're just like, right, okay, well, what about these existential values and what have always, I think, been commonly associated? You see it in Hong Kong with the Union Jack being flown. These values that we've always stood for that have been constantly eroded um, at an alarming pace, I think. Um, whether that be free speech, whether that be democratic values. Um, so I, I think it's about time that they woke up and sort of, and that's why I think I think Boris is great. I'm not going to lie. We'll come to um, Boris in a, come in a to minute. Boris. Okay. I can I can tell from the way you're talking that you've 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 shifted quite a lot since you were a working class lad in the northeast. You've 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 obviously developed your ideas, but at school, what what was this kind of politics I, there I, I, there was there was none there was i mean so i left school and did an art degree i was a famously fashion student aaron grimes and and did you want to go into fashion um i wanted yeah i wanted to be a um pattern designer yeah and would you have made more money i i that? i would um it well it entirely depends actually um I, I think it's fair to say that had I been top of the game, yeah, absolutely I would have. Yeah. Um, but I, famously, arts graduates don't make all that much money. Well, most of them don't go into. I, my my eldest eldest went to art college, and he didn't end up doing doing. Well, art, exactly. Nor did my out. brother, who, who who again went to. Yeah. I did drop out. I didn't actually graduate. Okay. So after the referendum, I dropped out because I just thought I can't. I can't stay out of this fight. I'm far too addicted. So so okay. So you were a sort of fashion student, uh-huh. and then you had these skills. Yeah. So digital skills, definitely. So I'd have to learn all of these things. I mean, going back a step at school. Yeah. I had a pretty horrendous time at school. Um, I was. It was a pretty rough state comprehensive um in county durham and i was quite badly bullied for being a young gay man i guess did you know you were gay at that time uh, yeah i've known since i was 11 actually i came out when i was 13 so very early and were you the only gay in the village i i think I, well i was certainly the only out gay in the yeah. village um so yeah i think to a certain extent that that, that does ring true did you not have a i mean I, I can imagine i can well imagine you were bullied but did you not have a kind of circle of cool of, of of arty kids who liked you i mean i was so i was always i had a sort of protective circle of the the sort of popular kids that yeah, yeah. so i guess to a certain extent yeah um but i mean that didn't stop me being sort of smacked around and stuff outside right. of school but i think that actually put me up well for the fight against the electoral commission yes which we're going to come to soon it's very exciting i'm I'm looking forward i'm I'm building up this is like a kind of long intro (laughs) um okay so you acquired these digital skills where so i acquired them actually from my family desktop in when i was about 13 um i didn't really go out very much as a kid right so i learned taught myself photoshop whilst i was using social media platforms um and sort of built it up from there really um so i've been using it for over 10 years so and what were you doing with these skills originally? i was just i was actually so i was making money this is going to sound really weird and niche you're getting some real exclusives here james but 
I used to host fan sites, so for celebrities, and make the money from the Google advertising from them. So people would actually host fan sites on these celebrities and then they'd drive traffic to them because there was interest in these celebrities. So I used to make money from the Google. So who, who were the celebrities? Like people like, I mean, High School Musical was big back then. So there was, on all of these High School Musical stars, Kanye West was one of them. Kanye West almost sued me actually because they had uploaded a... Um, uh, a exclusive so it wasn't out yet tour guide um for his latest tour and i got a call when i was about 13 from his solicitor in la and i thought it was a joke i thought i was being set up yeah. but the person said if you don't remove it we're going to come for you um so it i shut them down pretty quickly after that yeah. scare um but again, maybe that set me up for a few well, legal challenges. Really? <laughs> and, and were you making a reasonable living? Out of this? I, no, I wasn't making. I, I wasn't making good money, but I was certainly making pocket money that I could, you know, go out and buy relatively. Because my mother, I was brought up by my mum on her own, so yeah. we didn't have money at all. Um, and I, yeah, it, it, random. I know, but it is random. <laughs> so okay, so so from there, you had these skills. Exactly. How on earth did you get involved in? So them? I then in twenty fourteen, uh, when I was doing my art foundation, uh, the, I applied for a BBC program called BBC Generation twenty fifteen. Now at this time, I was actually a Liberal Democrat, um, and I think the reasons were I thought, okay, I'm a classical liberal, I'm on the right. I must be a Liberal Democrat. You later find out that the Liberal Democrats are neither Liberal nor Democratic. Mm. Um, so that was a mistake. But because I was young, uh, from the Northeast, gay and a Liberal Democrat, I got to do quite a lot of media. So I was so like... Did, did, did the BBC ask you what you The BBC, yeah, yeah. You, so you said, I'm Lib Dem and I'm gay. And, and of course, you were straight in there. Exactly, in yeah. Like of course, I ticked all the right boxes. <sighs> Uh-huh, yeah, I, oh, but I used it for, you know, I milked it for all it was yeah, worth. Yeah, and I mean, I think you have to, unfortunately, in this game. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't get asked on now. Um, Funny that. Yeah. <laughs> wrong, wrong kind of game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, that's exactly right. I'm sure we'll come on to that. But um, yeah, from then I, so I did quite a lot of media. And then when the referendum came around, actually before the referendum, I did a bit of work for Norman Lamb who I've still got an enormous amount of time for. I think he's a fantastic politician um, with real values and just integrity, which is actually pretty bloody rare in politics. He's quite good on drugs legalisation. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so after I did a bit of work for him, he lost and Tim Farron won, and I thought, okay, I can't be part of a social democrat party that doesn't stand for anything. And I also couldn't understand how, when the question of the referendum started to be posed how I could support um, a political union, basically giving more and more powers away to a remote and unaccountable bureaucracy in Brussels, whilst also arguing that we need a real devolution agenda in this country, you know, devolving power as close to the individual as possible to empower communities that, like that where I came from, that feel that they don't have a voice, that they don't have any purchase in society. Um, how could I argue? I, the two things just weren't compatible, in my opinion. So I joined the Tories. I'm still a member of the Tories. Uh, we hope. Yeah. Um, we hope and pray. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so that that's the sort of windy route. So, okay, but but the Vote Leave particularly campaign, what was the... So I said I'd be leaving December of 2015 because uh, I was actually approached by someone from Vote Leave who said, we would love you to set up Liberal Leave, which was the sort of, uh, the, the idea of a Lib Dem outreach group. Because at this time you were still a Lib Dem. I was, and yeah. And Believe was what? So- Believe was a sort of, I guess... Because I had just done Norman Lamb's leadership campaign, I thought, I think there's a real constituency here of liberal, internationalist, outward-looking... Okay. Uh, I, I hate the word how naive, how naive you were. I mean, I bet there were about five, weren't there? Uh, well, I, do you know what? There was quite a lot of support for young classical liberals because don't forget that I was always on the right of the Lib Dems and therefore I, I probably knew the five people. Yeah. So I was able to gather these five people. Right. Um, and I'm really proud of it. It was like my little baby. But of, of course, it was a baby that, you know, others decided was a monster. So somebody spotted this thing on the Vote Leave campaign and they, they uh, incorporated it into they, their... So they they definitely promoted it as one of their outreach groups. Yeah. But I maintain to this day it had its independence. Yeah. Um, and as a court of law found itself... Um, so yeah, I, that made me, uh, that saw me go up and down the country again with, through the BBC and other networks making the case for leave. At this time you were still young, photogenic, well, you're, you're still those two, um, and, and still gay, but you were you were masking, as a, or you were, you were still a Liberal Democrat? Um, no, I wasn't. I, was, oh. I joined the Tories in December 2015, so around about the time, just after I set up Believe actually. Um, so I no, I wasn't a Lib Dem, but I think I still in the BBC sort of mindset. Yes. I still would have been seen as as that liberal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, how did you you were at some point given a chunk of money? Yes. So the donation came. Um, I mean, Vote Leave realised that they had spent everything they could, and the Electoral Commission had given them permission saying that they could make donations to other campaigns. This was a donation of, uh, I think it was something to do with fishing for leave. Do you remember when they had that fantastic thing on the Thames with Yeah, Kate the flotilla. Tully? Exactly. With, with Bob Geldof yeah. and, and on his champagne cruise exactly. flicking V-signs exactly. at exactly. the fishermen. Wasn't that just the ultimate picture of how those people look at the... I reckon that was, if you had to sum up the moment where the campaign... Well, was perfectly illustrated, and when it turned, I mm-hmm, think, mm-hmm. when people thought, hang on a second, working class, horny-handed sons of tall fishermen mm-hmm. versus Bob Geldof and his gym palace with these sneery metropolitan elites. Exactly, I know. It was fantastic. It encapsulated everything wrong with the Remain campaign, didn't it? So you were involved with the fishermen? I wasn't, no, but that's how Vote Leave got, re- got this advice given to them from the Electoral Commission. Yeah. So they decided to donate to a campaign that they thought was good, was doing some good stuff online, um, that they had been retweeting now and again. Um, and that was you? That was me. Oh, and what did you do? How much money did you get? £676,000. Wasn't that a bit weird? When you, did they give you, write you a cheque? Um, no, so it went straight into digital. Because so, remember, this was two weeks before the actual campaign, before June 23rd. So there wasn't time to go out and sort of... I would have loved to have done a sort of rally with a load of young people, yeah. you know, putting forward an actual, I think, optimistic for younger generations to not be fo- swallowed up into this bureaucratic nightmare. Um, 
but there wasn't any time to do anything like that so we just put it all into online campaigning and since doing that three years of my life have been absolute hell how, how did you um i mean 650,000 pounds must have been more money than you'd ever seen in your life i i mean yeah my mom made a, about 15,000 pound a year so that yeah, yeah this was and so how how do you go about spending that kind of money into so weeks? you well you uh, i mean it's so you would describe it i think as being a bit like a slot machine you put in an amount of money it doesn't discriminate and it disseminates your Facebook advertising through that you know you could put in however much you wanted and reach obviously a much higher audience with the more money oh so, I see. I, so you, you buy Facebook exactly space. yeah, yeah. so yeah, we yeah. Re- one believe ad reached four and a half million people you know and that's that's not insignificant that is a massive and that costs oh that costs significant yeah. especially during a referendum campaign when Facebook know that people are wanting to buy the, they the ramp up the, exactly the yeah. yeah yeah and that's 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 really interesting okay so let's get to the exciting bit now. Yeah. The bit where your life was, I mean, ruined, really. Yeah. For, for how long? For three years. For three, three years. years. Yeah. And you're, you're how old now? I'm 20, so actually I'm 26, just turned 26. Last it year. is not right for a chap of 23 to have his, his three years of his life. I was life. 22 at the time of the referendum. So yeah, ter- completely turned upside down. I mean, so you have to be... Uh, you go to an auditor, which I'd never done before. You re- get all of your accounts audited by an accountant that has a certain qualification. So it can't just be any Tom, Dick or Harry. Yeah. So I went to this accountant, got all of my accounts audited. Um, the accountant poured over them for quite a few days, actually, and was like, oh, these are all hunky-dory. Um, sent them off to the Electoral Commission. They published them. And then some journalist at BuzzFeed said, oh, this um, spending return that has been published in an open and transparent way and been signed off by an auditor is clearly dodgy. So it was BuzzFeed who started the witch It was BuzzFeed, exactly, yeah, yeah. D- who was the journalist? Um, Marie, Marie Leconte, is it? I can't so remember. Do, no, does this, this give you pause? I, I mean, do journalists really know... Uh, wasn't there somebody, some sinister master behind mind behind this? Was it really a, a Marie Leconte, just the kind of random um, online journalist? To be honest, I, th- I think to a certain extent it probably was because I think it it suits their narrative of. Okay. I I think that's always been the narrative that people like again. I, I keep going back to families like mine, but it's not to go into anecdote, but they look at communities like that in County Durham and they think. There is no way in hell that these people could have reached a logical conclusion that leaving the European Union is right for them. Is They must have been duped. It must have been Russia. It right. must have been dodgy cash. It must have been dodgy advertising. Okay. So it fits the narrative. So anyway, they started this off. The Electoral Commission started their first investigation. Um, they closed it down pretty quickly and said, now to see here, my lord. Yeah. Um, and off we went. And then in 2017 early 2017 they opened a second investigation because obviously the again you've got this hive mind mentality people saying oh well you know there, there must be something dodgy here something really fishy's gone on um and they caved to pressure and they open a second investigation again that second investigation is shut down it's all cleared it's absolutely fine and then Jolian Morm, have you heard of him? Yes. He um, is a wealthy Remain activist, judicial activist. Very wealthy. QC. I mean, he gets 
pretty high fat exactly. fees. Exactly. So he raised some of these fat fees online and he uh, started a judicial review into the Electoral Commission's second decision. So they closed down that investigation. He wanted them to reopen it. Now, this is when I think we start to get into really dodgy territory, yeah. when these rich, wealthy activists yeah. can force a so-called independent quango to open an investigation, a third investigation, into the same matter and ruin my life. So anyway, they opened this third investigation after this judicial review by this wealthy Remain activist. And... After a long battle, a back and forth with me and my solicitor, bearing in mind, I didn't have any money for a solicitor. So I had to start doing crowd my own crowdfunding. Yes, of course you did. Um, and the Electoral Commission decided to fine me £20,000 and refer me to the police after this third investigation. That was the outcome of this third investigation. I didn't find out that I had been referred to the police or fined £20,000 until I listened to Radio 4 on the morning at seven o'clock and uh i i, I mean like this is probably too much information no i want to hear but i i was actually with uh i just started dating someone for the first time and i was with this person um we'd been on a few dates and this person heard on the radio with me that i was under investigation by the police and I'd been fined £20,000. Now, as I'm sure you can imagine, that was probably one of the most awkward experiences of my life. I had my mother calling me saying, what's going on, sweetheart? I don't understand. You know, she's a single parent back home. She, she, One, she doesn't understand Westminster politics. She doesn't follow it. But two, I don't think you can begin to comprehend how it is that your son has been referred to the police when he did nothing wrong you know she was just so upset you mean so some people must have thought and obviously all the remainers thought this well there's no smoke without a fire exactly there's no way that a that a, a quango like the the charities commission would possibly pursue an innocent person so. All of these quangos, they have to, they're judge, jury, and executioner, James, and that's the problem. They they have these powers that I think go. So in in court, for example, my QC argued that the electoral commission had gone way beyond the powers that are actually given to them within the act. So within the party elections and referendums act, they had actually far exceeded their brief, basically. Yes. Um, and the judge, the. the my judgment was not the judge reducing the fine. It wasn't the judge saying that the fine had been unreasonable. This was a judge comprehensively rejecting, quashing the Electoral Commission's entire notice. I mean, that... I That's mean, pretty I damning. It is pretty damning. But hang on. Yeah. You, you've actually... I've skipped you, ahead. You've skipped ahead. I want to know about the misery. I want yeah. to know, okay, you're back with your with your new, new man. Uh-huh. And... He's thinking, he, what have I got myself exactly, involved with? Exactly. So you can imagine that didn't kind last sexy, very long after criminal. that. <laughs> a gang, a gangster. <laughs> Mafia. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. It didn't last very long after that, I think it's safe to say. Right. Um, but you must have been a wreck. I was. I, was, I, think, I said, I think you'd better leave. And off he went. Um, and I called my mother and she was distraught. Um, she said, look, if you need me. So she bought... Earlier when I was telling you about, I think I've always had ideas and values. 
I have one political memory that I didn't even realise was political at the time when my mum told me her proudest moment in life. And that was when she bought her council house yeah. under right to buy. Um, thanks to Margaret Thatcher. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't know that at the time, of course, that it was thanks to Margaret Thatcher ah. later. And so you you have all these things that you start to jot together and realise that you've got ideas and values yeah, yeah. that all lead to one political thread. Yeah. Um, and my mother said, listen, Pet, if you, if you need us to sell the house, I'll do it. And I just burst into tears. I just felt like a selfish awful human being but of course it was completely out of my control i was an ant under the large boot of the state and it was a state that a state piece of state machinery that has investigated me three times in the same issue on the same issue and only came to a damning so they find me their maximum fine hmm. which the judge had said had he actually found that the commission's reasoning was valid would have been far too punitive anyway. Right. What was what was the that alleged that I ticked the wrong box. I ticked the wrong box. So what were the boxes? The boxes were individual or unincorporated association. So there was a box for unincorporated association, but the box in question was individual or political party. I wasn't a political party, so I ticked individual. Well, that's, that would make sense to me as well. The judge said that their form was far too confusing, but they chose to come after me for ticking this box. And let's just, for, for those who don't know what yeah. the Electoral Commission is, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a quango, which means it's a sort of arm's length government regulatory body, supposedly yeah. independent. Yeah. And I had a look, uh, there, was a, there, was a, there was a tweet pointing out the kind of um, the people who make up the Electoral Commission it seems to me that they're all Labour Lib Dems certainly all Remainers aren't they I think in 2010 the um, one woman who led the investigation into me yeah. uh, she tweeted uh, sorry she didn't tweet she wrote on her Facebook account so Guido reported this this is all on Guido she said I can't believe Something like, I can't believe you lot have elected these people again. You know what they did last time. So this was, of course, after the general election when the Tories were elected. And you just think these are these are the supposed guardians of our democracy. Yeah. It's just to me, I reckon the whole thing needs to be scrapped and it needs to be independent, retired judges that are brought in every three years or something. Yeah. So you can guarantee independence. Because... Had this all been handled by the courts initially, first investigation, you go to court, I would have been cleared almost three years ago. Yeah. I would have had three years of my early 20s. Yes, well, exactly. Well, I want to hear a bit more about, about this because, um, first of all, I want to know how... So you set up a crowdfund. You yeah. knew how to do that, obviously, because of your digital skills. Mm-hmm. Were Fortunately. You su- were you surprised by absolutely? I was, yeah. Um, so... Uh, my my mother actually uh, she started reading some of the comments that so a lot of the comments online would say listen at Darren Grimes I can't wait for you to go to prison you're going to love being raped I can't wait for you to be raped um, your mum saw this my, she saw all of, and this was daily I so I used to get this stuff not this from is on, on the crowdfunding account. No, that, no, no. So the, I'm, the reason I mentioned the crowdfunding is because after she'd started reading all of this abuse that I get on Facebook and Twitter, 
um, I used to direct it to the crowdfunding page because there were 3,000 people that donated an average donation of £30 um, who were all commenting saying you're a hero thank you so much for doing what you've done for the past yes. three four years and she would read all of this and feel really encouraged um because you know this, at the end of the day this is her little boy this is uh, on his own in the big bad city and in, in london she's 300 and odd miles away and she feels entirely powerless so it got to the point james where i wouldn't even call my mother because i'd be so worried that i would put the fear of god into her yeah yeah um, and I would end up exacerbating her concern and her worry for her child. So I had to distance myself from my mother and I was already feeling quite isolated and it's quite a, it's quite a lonely experience being uh, fighting this sort of really big legal you challenge. You did have a, a sort of haunted look about. You, you, you were like a man apart from the... You, 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 were, you could be in a crowded room and you were still kind of... Exactly, De- definitely. Because no one can ever understand what it feels like. Um, no one can... And, and don't get me wrong, I ha- I've had amazing friends and, and actually I, I became religious during, <laughs> during all of this, yeah. Um, you so found God? I did, yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Was it, was it a kind of blinding... No, mo- no, it wasn't. It was a sort of... It was a gradual... My friend said... Uh, I'd actually followed someone on Twitter who was a clergyman. Yeah. And he's a Tory clergyman, rare yeah. breed. Um, and my friend said, do you want to come to his, his one of his services? And it was Ash Wednesday. Um, and it was that, it was the authenticity of the service. You know, you've got that ornate King James Bible being lifted Quite high up. church. High thing. church. High Anglican. Quite, exactly. quite, quite gayly anyway, smells and bells. <laughs> yeah. But I, I agree, I love that stuff. Proper liturgy. Pro- exactly, yeah, Old exactly. School. And you've got that lovely sermon that you come away from feeling grounded. And and I think actually that's that's what the church offered me. It was, and, and what God offered me, it was that grounding. I felt grounded. And that, that must sound quite odd, but you've got to remember that. I felt completely knocked off of my feet. Of course. You know, I, I felt... And had I lost this, there, it's no exaggeration to say I would have been completely bankrupt. Was that... This is what your QC presumably advised you, or your solicitor? Absolutely. And yeah. how did you go... So you crowdfunded 90 grand? I crowdfunded 95,000 almost, yeah. and, and does that... I, I can't imagine that goes that far in it. In so a, it gets... I mean, it gets you a QC... It doesn't get you that far, but it, it got... It paid for my QC... And how did you know that you where to find a QC? Um, I didn't. My solicitor, my solicitor did. How did you find a solicitor? So, uh, well, actually, I I asked someone. I said, "Do you know any good solicitors?" And they said, "Yeah, this person seems decent. Reach out to them." I did reach out to them um, and, and started on that. They journey. obviously did a good job. But would, did they advise you that what, what do they rate your chances at? So they, it, because it's such an untested area of law, and they are literally arguing over a so-called, well, and supposedly incorrectly te- ticked box. It's very hard to actually determine what the likelihood or the, or the outcome of it is going to be. Mm. So I had to basic. I mean. I had to run on the idea that I would be bankrupt sat here talking to you now. Yeah. I would be doing this podcast whilst bankrupt. Yeah. Um, fortunately, that isn't the case. Um, but I've got nothing, so I had nothing to lose. There was part of me, I must admit, there was part of me that thought I should 
just try and raise the money and pay the fine and just let this all slide. I almost did that. Did you? But then I thought, I've got, I've got nothing. I started with nothing. If I go bankrupt, I will still have nothing. Therefore, I think they picked the the, the wrong they fight. They picked the wrong they person. They did. They did. Because yeah. um, and that's why I that's why I started playing on my tiny violin earlier and taught, telling you about the experience I had at school, because I think that did set me up. You know, that sort of years and years of that attrition. Because this has been years and years of attrition, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, actually. But I think I was ready for it. Do you think you do you think you're you're a better person as a result? I think yeah. Well, I well I certainly think I'm a better person as a result of the the, the friendships I've built over this period, the uh, relationship with with my church and and faith after that period. Um and the, I might imagine there'll be people listening to this podcast and thinking, "Oh god, he's another he's a god botherer now." But I I don't think you can you can actually understand the the, the comfort that, that it's been actually in that sort and you long for that that source of of being rooted in something bigger than yourself um because you feel so lost in that moment and i talked earlier about the isolation um but now i feel free as a bird i feel absolutely bloody fantastic, fantastic. and uh they picked the wrong the wrong man i do think so that. was there any question that you might get compensation for the suffering you i mean this is a vexatious case on their part mm-hmm. really um, I've no, I've not heard anything. I mean, well, you won't then. yeah, exactly. I mean, defamation and libel. There are so many people like James O'Brien who has deleted his old tweets. Yes, I wanted to ask you yeah. about that. Lots of people said some vile things. Yeah, who were the worst? Uh, I well, certainly Carol from the Guardian. You know, Carol Codwaller, yeah, the Catwoman. So you know, she would call me up screaming down the phone. She called you up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. During the three years definitely screaming down what the phone what did she say Darren Darren you need to talk to me you need to talk to me I said no I don't and hung up the phone I never ever spoke to her and I never ever will do you know I got stuck on a train with her last week yeah what happened on the way back home from yeah. the northeast. Yeah. so as soon as the court case was over I went back home um, entire family so delighted I actually took bottles of champagne because they'd never had champagne really? before what did uh, they think of it they, well, they thought it was absolutely bloody lovely um, my nana turned on knows about it like but never mind um, and my mum told me this fantastic story actually I'll go back to Carol but she said uh, she was in the queue for Asda when I'd called her and told her I'd won and she had to leave all of her shopping so she had no food for this party they'd organised um, so I had to go out and get everything I think that was a that was a ploy, a clever ploy. <laughs> um, but so Carol would call me up screaming down, and uh, people were tweeting saying you should go over and you should just say to her, "Do you want to apologise?" But I don't think that's going to get me anywhere, to be honest, because what I think what people conspiracy theorists like Carol have to deal with yeah. is that we have a leave cabinet now, we are leaving the European Union. Yeah. I won my case. Their conspiracy theories, their whistle, so-called whistleblower reports, are now discredited, mm-hmm. and th- everything is going in the seventeen point four millions favor. And that's—I think this wasn't just a victory for me. This was a victory for the seventeen point four million that have been told time and time again that their vote would be respected. But there was a sp- some. F- there was a special caveat that said, but only if the EU gives us permission. Yeah. And now we are finally starting to get some wins. 
It started with my court case on that Friday, then it's continued when Boris won, and now it's continuing with this leave cabinet. And people actually, I think, putting some real teeth into getting us out of this bureaucratic nightmare. I've I've got two more questions I want to ask you, because mm-hmm. tragically, bloody Toby Young is forcing me to go to, <laughs> go to do a podcast with him and then go and have lunch with Julia Hartley Brewer. Um, so that's why love, I'm having to I love it. both of them I, it's, it's, this is why it's going to be shorter than it should be and, and I can you know the special friend is going to be listening to this and say say <laughs> why could you not spend longer with Darren we love Darren so no we do we love Darren um, but two questions first of all do you have a case against the people so Caroline Codwallader James O'Brien was very horrible to you wasn't he what, mm-hmm. what sort of things did he say I, well he was just I mean basically just saying you don't have a right to have an opinion on X because you're a criminal. You know, I mean, you can't discount, I think, the damage that that has to someone's reputation and, well, professional, uh, I guess the probability that they're going to be employed. The BBC turned around and said I was too controversial to have. I used to do broadcast and house paper review quite a lot. And then they turned around and said, I'm really sorry, we can't have you on until the investigation's over. My phone's yet to ring. Um, and I won my case. Funny that, isn't it? And okay, so so there's James James uh, yeah. James O'Brien was bad. Yeah, uh, Joe Morm. Uh, mm, well, I I mean he did it all through the courts, didn't he? Right. But and they've all been dismissed. So he's lost a lot of wealthy remainers, a lot of money. Um, but always a good thing. Always a good. But they've thing. got loads. But they've got uh, yeah, they've got shit tons exactly. Um, but defamation and things like I mean. If they continue saying these things, I think there's definitely an argument that I would win a defamation lawsuit easily. From your lips to God's ear. Well, there yeah, we are. Yeah. Okay, so um, so my second question is, I, I kind of, I'm kind of with you on this so far. The Boris administration seems to be. Do you think though? Here's my concern. Mm-hmm. Do you think that what we're going to end up with is a the withdrawal agreement without the backstop, which is basically still. We're still fucked. Yeah. Sorry, I must have been <laughs> that upsets the younger listeners. Um, but we're still um, we're subject to the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice. We've still got there's loads of stuff. Are you worried about that? Um, I I actually can't see. I still can't see the withdrawal agreement pass in Parliament, even if even if he gets the EU to move on the backstop, which I don't think they actually will. And do you reckon that's the plan? I, Mm-hmm. Do you reckon that? So therefore, no and then he's like, "Oops, we're leaving oops. without a deal." Oh, that would be so good. It would exactly, and then we actually, uh, you know, people keeps. I read this absolutely farcical tweet that said, um, "We will." It could be years under a no deal scenario. I thought years under a no deal scenario. Do you mean years of independence? <laughs> Isn't that what we voted for? Yeah. I I just I just thought when will these people get it, but. Again, going back to my earlier optimism after three years of being negative and pessimistic, I think we are finally starting to get some real wins. Um, And that, to me, is what's so exciting. I agree. Darren, I love you. Uh, On behalf of the listeners, a special friend, uh, we all love you. And please, will you come back again on the podcast? Absolutely, yeah. And and well done, mate. Thank you very much. Very, very good. Cheers. You're listening to The Delling Pod with me, James Delling Pod. I'm sorry it's so short, but we'll have him back. We'll have him back. Um, and my very special guest, um, Darren Grimes. Mm-hmm.